This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Yeah, my name is Robert. Um, my wife is Rulin. She's the lady that sang. She's at Kiddies Church today. So um, we live in Wafish Bay. I grew up here and um, went to school here, primary school, went to high school, Cape Town, came back. Started working there, studied there, started working, came back, and now we're stuck here in Office Bay. So we're so glad to be back. It's such an awesome town in terms of development, and um, it's exciting times for, for, for Office Bay because the population is growing, and yeah, it's just an exciting time to see what God's also doing in Office Bay regarding His people and just um, people turning to Him. So we, we're excited to be here, and um, yeah. That's me. So um, I just want to pray for us before we start. Yes, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, that we can be here together, Lord, as a church, Lord. Thank you for time of worship that we just had, Lord. And God, I pray that it will just continue, Lord, as we share in your word today, Lord. Um, I pray that our hearts will be open, Lord, to receive your word, Lord, to receive your Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord. Lord, without your presence, Lord, we cannot do anything, Lord. Your presence makes the difference in our lives, Lord. Here, thank you that it's not a clump of ideas with my car deal today. Here, thank you that it's not a clump of ideas on the world and worldviews is what is so deal today. But God, that Your word is alive, Lord. Thank you that Your word is alive, Lord. And we just invite You into our hearts today, Lord. Thank you that You are here, Lord. You promised that, Lord. You said that Your Spirit is among us, Lord. God, I pray that we will be present with your spirit today, Lord, to receive, to receive from you today and from you alone, Lord. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to go to my ring. I'm going to Okay. Okay, so that's what we're going to speak in, be speaking about today. Um, thank you. Sure. I want to tell you a story about Sarah and William. Okay, are you ready? Saki, you must be concerned. As you have a cell suit, I'm like, you need to look at it. Clearly, you have to make When Sarah was five, her family moved next to William's family. Over the years, Sarah and William became superficial friends. And there has been a few attempts to play, but William had always, um, but William had always cut it short because he had to help his dad, who was a mechanic. By the time they were nine years old, they were merely classmates that were neighbors and did not really know one, mother, one another, but they knew one another a bit better than the normal classmates would because they lived next to one another. So at school, no one liked William. He had become a trouble kid in grade three, a terrible bully. Probably, probably the way that he was treated at home made him this way, always treating other kids badly, teasing them, and in some cases even hurting them. 
One of William's daily activities was to choose a kid and take his or her sandwich and eat it in front of the person he bullied it from. So every day he would pick a kid and eat the sandwich, trying best he could to avoid getting caught by a teacher. This sandwich stealing was not only due to the fact that he was hungry and he didn't have his own sandwich, but also the reaction he would get. Some kids would cry, others would try to get it back and fail, all to his amusement. But occasionally a teacher would intervene and the kids would at least get back off the sandwich. Sarah always saw this playing off. Deep down, she, she, she was uh, more sorry for him than for the other kids. One day Sarah was sitting alone on the lawn in the playground and she saw a shadow in front of her. It was William and she immediately knew today's her turn. He then said, so what's for a snack today, little Sarah? Give me that sandwich. And he flipped off the lid of a, of a lunchbox and took half a, half a sandwich. He started eating it in front of her, waiting for a typical crybaby reaction. He was chewing with his mouth open and with a little grin on his face, looking, Sarah, looking at Sarah, anticipating the response. Sarah looked at him straight in the eyes. She looked him straight in the eyes. There was something different about how she reacted compared to all the other kids. He started chewing slower. The grin was now off his face. And he wondered, what is it with this girl? Okay, we're going to continue from there. <laughs> okay, so I want to speak today about um, the part in Scripture where Jesus speaks about turning the cheek. Um, what does this mean to us as Christians? What does it mean? Is it a, is it, you know, in, in a certain sense, it, it, it sounds like a, a very self-sacrificial thing and a very weak thing to do to, if someone, someone hits you in the face to turn the other cheek. You know, you don't even fight back. Okay, so let's just le- read this part of Scripture. Matthew 5, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to, to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take, your, take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go a mi- one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Amen. Amen. Okay, Okay, so if we read this part of scripture, it's a very humiliating um, a place where we need a lot of humility and, and a lot of self-sacrifice. And today I want to focus specifically on two main challenges there are when it comes to living in this way. But before I go there, I just want to... Thank you. Before I go there, I just want to want to look at these principles, you know, like in an everyday sense. Okay. So imagine you are now just having an argument with someone, and the argument is getting heated, and all of a sudden this slap comes through your face. How would you react? You know, in an everyday sense, you know. Just think about it for a while. You're just standing there, and in public, in front of everybody, you just get smacked a smack through the face. 
Okay, you've got a few choices when it comes to, to, to this reaction that you're going to give now. Okay? Firstly, firstly what we, what we um, normally do, I think, is that before we get into an argument with someone like that, we just avoid the whole situation and avoid people like that. So now, okay, some people is just like, I don't, I don't mix with that people. So you, you can just avoid people like that. The other thing is you can obviously ask, you know, why did you do that now? Was that now needed, you know? Other option is to run away. If you really, if this guy's coming at you again, you can run away and say, listen, um, I'm scared and I'm not going to, I'm going to stand here that you hit me again. And obviously, I think um, most of us will probably have a reaction of wanting to eat back. And normally, when you get slapped in the face, you want to give a harder slap back, you know. <laughs> That's kind of how it works, you know, in a fight. You get a blow, you must give it harder back. Now, Jesus is saying here, something here that's in contrast to all of these natural ways of reaction, reactions. He's saying that we need to turn the cheek. And I thought about this for a while. I don't believe that Jesus said we must turn the cheek so that we can be smacked again. I don't think that was the reason why Jesus said, if someone hits you through the face, turn the cheek so that you can just be hit again. And I think there was a deeper purpose in what Jesus said when he said, turn the cheek. So firstly, turning the cheek will take a lot of self-control. It's actually, if you look at all of these reactions, including the one eating back, turning the cheek is actually the strongest reaction for us as, as humans, if you think about it. Um, it's something that we cannot actually do out of our own ability. We need God's help and the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. And secondly, I just wanna, want us to think about it. What reaction will have the biggest impact on the other person? You know, Think we might think of a lack of slap will give him an impact. <laughs> but just think about it. If, you just, if, if this guy is actually expecting you to react in a normal way and you react in this godly way, that will definitely have the biggest impact. Turning the cheek will have the biggest impact. The thing is you didn't go down to an earthly level to sort this out. And we're going to touch on that later also. Our, our war is not against flesh and blood. We, will, we fight a spiritual war. Amen. So Jesus illustrates this for us when he endures all the suffering when he went to the cross. Okay, he was all powerful. He could, you know, he was able to, to call on angels and he didn't have to go through all that suffering, but he understood something about God and the principle of, of, of a sacrifice that needed to be given for sin. And that is why he endured the cross. It was a bigger purpose for Jesus turning the cheek when he went through all of those hardships. And that same nature Jesus is asking of us. And he's not just asking of us, he enables us through his Holy Spirit to be able to do that. When we react in these unnatural ways to a natural thing that's been done to us, we actually show them Jesus Christ. We show Jesus Christ to the world. Okay. And in showing them Jesus Christ, our war, we said, is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities. And evil is immediately reminded of the victory that Jesus had on the cross. Evil is overcome. And, you know, if it comes to, to being another person, being in conflict with you, they can see Jesus Christ and lives are changed. Amen. So let's, let's look at the two traps or the two things that we fall into, the challenges when it comes to living um, this life 
that Jesus portrays and, and teaches us to live. Johannes spoke last week about um, Acts, and he spoke about the three um, Ananiases. Okay, the first one that I want to mention today is the, is the high priest, the religious Ananias. Okay? It was the, it was the high priest that, that, that commanded that Paul must be struck when Paul was speaking to them. Struck to, through the face. And we're going to look at that also, how Paul reacted to that slap through the face. But the point that I want to make with this Ananias is that he was a high priest. He knew all the laws and he knew how to obey the laws. But when it came to practically doing it, he couldn't get it right. You know, Paul actually addressed it and said, listen, you know all the laws, but you break the laws by slapping me, by commanding them to slap me. Okay, so the religious Ananias would, or looking at these teachings and these new spiritual insights that Jesus gave us, if we approach it religiously, it's that typical, it's very difficult to be a Christian. You know, that is, that is, that is, the, the, the thing that follows from there. If we see it religiously, it, it, it's just always a struggle to be a Christian. It's always difficult to be a Christian. The next Ananias that I want to mention is the sinful Ananias. Okay, that was the guy and his wife that sold the land and they had to bring the money to, to the church and they only brought half of it and they lied to God. And the thing about this sin in their life was that it was a sin that they were fine with. It wasn't something that they were repentant of. They thought that, okay, listen, we're just going to keep this in the dark. No one's going to know about this. And we're going to be with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And they wanted to serve God while they had the sin in their life. That was a known sin. It wasn't something that was in the light and they were repentant of it. They lied about it. Okay. This Christian, where the first Christian says it's very, the religious Christian says it's very hard to be a Christian. This Christian just operates without God's strength, without spiritual strength. When there's that sin in your life, that hidden sin, it's always something that's bothering you. When it comes to praying for other people, when it comes to witnessing out there, that is something that always will make you feel unworthy and, you know, make you feel shame that you won't be able to go out. So it steals your strength as a Christian. Then the third Ananias was the certain disciple. That is what um, Johannes was preaching about last week. Just the ordinary guy um, he said that we, d- we didn't even hear a lot about him in the Bible. But um, what he did was he was just simply in the, in, in the um, I almost want to say in a place where he um, was, was awake to the Holy Spirit speaking to him. He was allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to him and then he acted on that. And this speaks to me about a person that, whose reactions are guided by the Holy Spirit. Okay, and he was just a certain disciple. He wasn't like a big guy like Paul or all those guys. And that just wanna, I just want to encourage all of us today that each one of us can be that certain disciple. We don't have to be there, up there to be able to hear the Holy Spirit and just react in the way the Holy Spirit. It's His work through us. Amen. So, let's look at the first one, the religious, the religious Ananias. Okay. So before we, before we um, I just want to start by saying that we have to look at these texts and these scriptures and understand the meaning and the context of it. Because I think many times we read it and we see like, okay, listen, this is now new rules that Jesus is giving here, so, are giving here, so we must just try to follow it. But if we don't understand the meaning and the context, we will be confused because it just, it's unfair, you know. How can you just get slapped in life the whole time? 
and just turn the cheek. Um, we can become unconfident because it's just too hard to, to achieve. So it can just bring us in a place where we lose all our confidence to, to even um, try to be a Christian. And also the result of it, when we look at it religiously, is that we will be condemned when we get in a life situation and we actually don't get it right. We can't live up to that standard. You get, we condemn ourselves and we feel, feel bad about it. So I really want to trust that we allow the Holy Spirit to open the scripture up to us so that we don't feel confused, we don't feel unconfident, and we don't feel condemned when we read these scriptures. But it will take us to a place where we get excited to, to live out what Jesus is saying here. Okay. So let's start with the first one, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Okay, this is just very interesting. This was a law in the Old Covenant that was given to the judges of that time. Okay, so when people had um, made a mistake or they um, can I say, did a crime, this was for the judges to say that, listen, if, if, if this crime was to take an eye, he must give an eye back or take, take an eye from someone else. Don't exceed with the punishment. Don't exceed the crime with the punishment. That is what the actual meaning of this law was in the old covenant. It wasn't what the Pharisees did was they applied it personally and said that, listen, if someone takes from you, you must take revenge. And that is what this law has become over the years. When, when it was given, the heart of this law was to say that, listen, don't exceed the punishment. Don't exceed the, uh, the crime with the punishment. Okay, that is what this law is actually saying. And Jesus was just addressing this and saying, and it's, it's so beautiful for me. When Jesus comes and he gives these new laws, in a sense, or these new um, teachings about the law, he's actually coming to the heart of the law. He's coming to God, always intended what the law should have been. And what, what we, as people, what the people did in that time is they didn't want that relationship with God. They just wanted to follow the rules blindly, and then they're fine with God, and that's it, you know? Through Jesus Christ now, we've got, we've got that opportunity to be in that close relationship with God again, to do it spiritually. Okay. Uh, verse 39. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. Okay, this is just like, now he's, he named this law, and now he's going into this new teaching that he's going to give. The first thing that he says is, do not resist an evil person, and then from there, everything follows. For me, what I just take out of this is that, like I said just now, we shouldn't avoid people if we think that they're going to do something bad to us. We shouldn't be afraid of that. I think that's, that's difficult sometimes to say, listen, but we shouldn't avoid those difficult situations because that's where the work of the ministry happens. That's where we are able to show Christ to the world. If we just stay in our little circles with our little um, groups of Christian friends, and we never go out and face, I almost want to say evil. It's, it's hectic to say evil to people, but there's, there's, a, there's a war that we fight spiritually, and people's eye ne eyes need, need, need to open up for that. Amen. So we don't write people off, and we don't avoid them. Okay, that's just the first thing that I want to mention. Let's carry on. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. So in the, in the um, context of of where this happened was in the Jewish culture in that time if someone slapped you through the face it was a very shameful thing it wasn't really about physical hurt it was more a thing of shame okay and what I just want to say about this is that when we are in Christ we, there's no more shame 
our past and our past sins and our past shame become a testimony. Okay, and that's always so beautiful. When Peter Allen stands here at Encounter 1 and he shares out of his heart about his life, you can see that there's no shame. You can see Jesus, Jesus is what he lives for. He can easily share about those things because people can relate to that and then see that God is awesome. And that, that, that is what this is telling me about the slap in the face is that, listen, we don't have to worry about being shamed. We have a new life in Christ. When Adam and Eve was in the garden and they sinned, they were hiding away from God because they, 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 they knew that they were naked. So they were ashamed. Okay, and that's where shame actually entered into the world. When Jesus went to the cross, he despised, he despised shame. So he actually went through all that shame and he demolished it completely. So when we live in Christ, there's no shame when we live in Christ. Verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you for your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Okay, so this is actually a very interesting thing. Um, in those times, when the Jews had a dispute, they could sue you for your, for your tunic. Yeah, for your tunic, yeah. Okay, so this is also goes a little bit hand in hand with shame because if you would, would give him your cloak also, then you would kind of be exposed, your body would be exposed, and that was a shameful thing for Jewish men to be exposed in that way. But what I just want to highlight out of this passage is that if something is taken from you, what, what is our heart regarding our possessions? What is our heart regarding the things that we hold on to? Do we build our lives on, on the success of this world? Or are we willing to let go of those things? So what I just want to take out of this is that if someone wants something from you, give him more than what is, ex- what is expected. We cannot take anything with us. Amen. Verse 41. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Okay, in those days the Romans were ruling over the Jews. Okay, so it was actually a very <laughs> humbling thing. If a, if a Roman would, would meet a Jew in the street and he was carrying something, then that Jew was obligated actually to carry his luggage for him for a mile. Okay, so that was like a standard thing. You know, if you're a Jew, I think those guys just tried avoiding the Romans. <laughs> but if you meet a Roman, I say, yeah, come, so come, draw your reading for my friend. They, they hated it. They didn't like, the Jews didn't like doing that. Okay, what Jesus is telling the, the people here is that, listen, if they require you to go one mile, go an extra mile. Do more than what is expected. And this just speaks about service for me. This just speaks about serving others. Okay, and I think it's easy to serve um, your boss, you know, because it's, it's a place of, you know, you profit out of it. So if your boss says something, you'll do it quickly. But how's our heart regarding serving when we don't gain anything out of it? Doing more than what's expected. Someone asks you to go one mile, going, going the second mile with him. Even if we don't like it, even if we despise it, you know, we don't... We don't feel it's right. It's not fair. How is our heart regarding service, general service to our brothers and to the community? Okay, verse 42. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. You know, we always want to save up for the difficult times and, you know, we kind of find our security in that savings account. And when it comes to um, borrowing money to someone or 
stretching out the hand to, to really reach out to people in terms of that, then we're kind of on the back foot. But I just want to say on this is that our security must be in Jesus Christ. With a cloak, you know. We don't build our lives on this. We cannot take anything with us. And we must be able to, to help people in need. And I, I don't believe that, that God um, is saying here, or Jesus is saying here, that we must, um, that this can be misused and we must just help professional beggars to just stay where they are. Or, or just help a drunk to just, you know, just blindly. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, is, where, where is your security? Is it, is it in me or is it? And when a brother comes to ask you something, don't be at a place where you are close to that person because you're just breaking down that relationship and closing those doors for the gospel to be spoken into his life. So it takes discernment as well. So what these scriptures are not saying is that it, it's definitely not saying that we, we, we must just allow evil to happen. You know, if someone's going to break into your house and your wife and kids is in the house, you're obviously going to stand up and, and protect them. It's not saying that you must just, um, when you are slapped, just turn the cheek and just be slapped through life. And, you know, nice guys come second. And as a Christian, you must just be a nice guy. And, you know, you must just always um, endure all of these things. It's in this humbleness, in this place of being... Um, Free from, I almost want to say earthly pride and earthly security. Being free from that where we have our strongest weapon against the powers and principalities. You know, when we, when we turn the cheek, we're actually declaring that our, our war is not against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting on this level. That is what Jesus was saying here. I'm not, I'm not bound to this world. Because my fight is against the powers and principalities that you, that, that's not seen in this world. And when we do that act, of, that simple act of turning the cheek, that's so difficult for us. <laughs> then that, those powers and principalities are shaken. People's eyes get opened to who Jesus Christ is. That person that's actually doing evil in your life, his eyes are opened. The guy taking the sandwich, his eyes are opened. Amen. So I just want to I just want to um, point to two scriptures where um, where people were actually hit in the face in the Bible. The first one is Jesus himself. And this was after the teaching that he gave. Um, and I don't believe Jesus will say do what, I, do what I teach, but don't do what I do. You know, you know we like to do that. You know? Marx is like, Marx is like, say, Marx is like, Marky. That's not a good thing to tell your kids. You know? They must be able to do what you do. Amen. We said that turning the cheek is, is, is declaring victory and declaring war against the powers and principalities. Look at, look at this. I think the whole script is up. You can't so long that up, now. I'm just going to start a little bit earlier. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and the temples where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, 
Do you answer the high priest like that? And I look at Jesus' reaction. Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Amen. I get this it's That was a war against the powers and principalities behind that evil. It was not to Jesus knew who he was dealing with, and he knew the religiousness and the things that were he was facing at that time. The next example I wanna wanna mention is, is Paul in Acts. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. This is the Ananias, the religious Ananias that we spoke about just now. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wool. Okay, I don't think that's like, (laughs) that's Paul, okay? (laughs) We all know Paul. But he's just taking on that evil and saying, listen, you look nice on the outside, you whitewashed wool, but on the inside, what's going on? You know? And then he carries on and he says, for you sit and judge me according to the law, and do you, do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? So he said that, listen, you are a high priest. You teach the law. You know the law. But look at your actions. It's not measuring up. Standing up against the evil, the powers and the principalities. That is what turning the cheek is all about. This is not contradictory to, to what is taught, what Jesus has taught. This is the, the, the declaration just of that war that we are fighting. It's a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. We're not going to go on to that level and fight on an earthly, in an earthly manner. It's always easy for us to say, uh, you know, what is fair and what is, um, you know, and try to judge according to the world standards. Jesus is just saying, like, skip die. You're Mark Feyander. You need to, you need to open people's eyes to the, to, to the reality of Jesus Christ. When we go down on the level and slap back, we actually close the doors for Jesus Christ to be seen, for eyes to be opened up. Okay, so what Jesus came to, to bring here was um, where the old laws were carnal laws that were just had to be followed blindly. Um, it was just like rules that they had to follow. Jesus came with these teachings and he came to the heart of what those things actually meant from the beginning. He, went, he came and said that, listen, I'm going to give you the spiritual meaning behind these laws that you are just following blindly. Okay, and, he, and as I said, um, that the spiritual um, rules that I give you can only be done spiritually, but it's actually the weapons that we, we fight in the spiritual war. The things that Jesus was speaking were truth, okay? Now, I just want to focus quickly on this. Truth is not law, Okay? Truth is not something that can just be followed blindly. Truths are something that needs to convict our hearts. And from that conviction of the truth, we then live our lives. Okay. So it's not something that... Um, yes, Joe. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say that again. Truth, truth is not law. So these, these truths that Jesus is sharing can't just simply be, be, be followed blindly or followed by anyone that doesn't know Jesus Christ. You need the Holy Spirit. It's spiritual principles that Jesus are teaching here, and it's specific truths. And that truth need to, the, the Holy Spirit need to convict us of those truths. And from that conviction, our actions follow. So it's not just a rule that can, can be followed blindly. 
It's a conviction that the Holy Spirit awakens in us so that we can follow those truths. Okay, so that was the first challenge, is that not understanding what the scriptures are saying and basically just trying to follow them out of religion instead of out of the spirit. It's not hard to be a Christian. <laughs> when we follow these things, we we, we, we we out of a place just trying to do it out of our own strength. Christianity will be extremely hard. It will be the most difficult thing to accomplish. It will actually be impossible to accomplish it. But these things are not to be followed blindly. It's not to just be followed by anyone. It's, it's through the Holy Spirit giving us power that, that we can follow these things. So, religion is the one challenge. The second challenge that I want to speak about, and that's the second Ananias, was the, the Ananias that had that sin in his life, but he wasn't repentant of it. He wanted to live with that thing in the dark and say, I want to follow God also. That doesn't work. You don't have strength in the kingdom when you have hidden sin in your life and you are justifying it and you're fine with it and you want to follow, follow God. I'm not saying that we must have sinless lives. That's not what I'm saying today. You must really hear me out. All of us have fallen short and all of us sin. What is your attitude towards that sin? That's what I'm speaking about today. It's not to be perfect. It's not to be that holy person that no one can touch and, you know, I do nothing wrong. And It's actually the opposite of that. It's showing your weaknesses. But what is your attitude towards those sin, the, the sin in your life? Are you accepting it as, ah, oh, there's no money to work as, and God will understand are we actually trusting God to take, away that, to take away those things in our lives? That's what, that's what I want to speak about when I speak about sin. So sin makes us spiritually weak when it comes to operating in the kingdom of God. When it comes to turning the cheek, sin in your life will make it extremely difficult. It will take away your strength to be able to turn the cheek. And I really believe that if we love one another, we will speak about these things. God spoke so much about sin, or Jesus spoke so much about sin in, in the Bible. If you look at um, Paul's letters, he was taking on people, not because he wanted to condemn them or make them feel bad, and he's so great and they are so bad. It's because he loved them. And I really want to tell you today that I'm not speaking down on anyone, or I'm speaking to all of us, myself included. And I really want to do this out of a place that I want to tell you I love you. It's really that we love one another that we can talk about these things. If we don't want to talk it's actually to say we don't really care about one another. We have to speak about these things. Okay, so this is not an eight-trap session or anything, okay? But I want us to be able to turn the cheek. Unrepentant sin makes us, makes us powerless in the kingdom of God. Known sin, being fine with that sin. And it can even, sin can even put you in certain situations, but I don't believe that every sickness and every, you know, challenge that you are going through, there's a sin behind everything. That is not true, okay? And that's, I can, if you, if you don't agree with me on that, I can show you in scripture that that is not true. Like sometimes we go through difficult times and we, Myself and Ulina are also going through a thing where we can't have kids now. And we've gone through our whole life like, yeah, forgive us for everything. And that's not the point. 
there's so much blessing out of this difficult times for us, spiritual, spiritually, that you weet, ek is so blij eindelijk vir waar nou is. It's like the best place that we can be. And I'm honestly saying that today. You know, it's not, you know, sometimes we want to, <laughs> we want to think that it's, it's, it's our own doing of where our lives are. God's in control and sometimes we must just let it go. Okay, so I'm not saying that every, every sickness and every difficulty that you're going through is because you did a sin. God doesn't work like that. Nou het ek gesondig, nou gaan die my straf. Jesus died on the cross for that already. We live in a new covenant. We do, we're not um, getting punished or getting sicknesses on ourselves um, because of that. But, but it can happen, but I'm not saying that every sickness has something behind it. Okay, so you, you're hearing my word. But it simply makes us powerless when it um, gets to operating in the kingdom of God. Just think of, you know, when you have to pray for someone, when you have to go out and testify, like I said just now. Now, how difficult is it when you've got this hidden sin? You know, you have to be like a real good... Um, <laughs> liar almost in a sense to hide that away to be able to, to live out the gospel fully in the power of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit with this thing in your life justifying this thing in your life and I really want to say that it affects the whole body you know, we are members of one body in unity so if one member struggles the whole body actually struggles if one member is weak the whole body becomes weak how do we pray for one another if there's sin? We, can, we cannot accept sin in each other's lives. That as jy iets in my leven sien wat, wat nie reg is hier, then I, 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 would, I would want the body to, to say, listen, let's fix this up. And it's not to, to judge one another, but it's really to be at a place of, we need to operate as a body of Christ. So is it possible to live this sinless life? Let's just look at... Um, at Psalm 32, from verse 3, this is David speaking to God. Um, name Mark. This must name David speaking to God. Okay, so he said that when I refused to confess my sin, my body was washed away. So this is just David speaking. When I refused to confess my sin, my body was wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated. He didn't have any strength, like water in the summer heat. When we look at these Bible characters that had sin in their lives, it kind of gives us hope, you know. <laughs> David was a man close to God's heart. You know, David, Moses, they, they killed people. That's, that's serious stuff. They sinned terribly. So... On the one hand, we're saying that when we have the sin in our life, can we still operate in God's kingdom? We're saying that it makes you powerless. Now, there's other cases in the Bible where, like Paul in his letters, addressing sin very strictly and saying that the sin, how open what you do, stop doing. Now, what's the difference between the sin that um, David and Moses did and the sin that Paul was speaking about that they must stop? And it is repentance. Repentance is the difference between the two. Having a repentant heart. Let's read verse 5. This is David carrying on from where he left, um, where he stopped just now. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Freedom. Able, being able to operate in the strength of God. Your guilt is gone. There's no more weight on your shoulders. You cannot, you cannot turn the cheek because there's no, nothing holding you back. There's no thing holding you back. 
a repentant heart towards your sin. Later in Psalm 51, David messed up again and he just repented again to God. The flesh is weak, but when we have that honesty, bringing things into the light before God and have a repentant heart and actually hate that it happened to us. We don't want to do this. That's the point. But the problem comes in when we start being okay with it, those things in our life. That's where the problem comes in. When we start justifying our sins, when we don't repent of our sins, when we, don't, when we actually, you know, you're actually in a place where you, you like these things, you like these things in your life, but you just try not to do them. You know, then you're fine. That's, a, that's, a wrong, that's not a repentive uh, attitude. When we, are, we, when we repent of these things, we actually hate those things in our life. We don't want it in our lives. When it happens, it's like, God, sorry, but yeah, I, I don't want to do this. It's not an attitude of, yo, you weet, gaan nou maar net, ek wil nou eindelijk lekker syp vanavond, maar ek sal maar nou net traai om so vijf, zes bierkies te drink. I'm being honest. En jy weet, as ons nou die aand vier bierkies drink, as ons nou baie happy met ons of twee bieren drink, as ons nou, ja, jy weet, ek, ek voel nou goed. I'm being honest, honest with us. What's the thing I own fun? You know, you like it, you just try to avoid it. When it steals your strength, you must kick it out. It shouldn't be in your life. You know, I think we've many times been sold the idea of grace that's, that's so cheap. Grace being like a, like a cover-up just for our sins. We can just carry on in our sin and, you know, the grace of God and Jesus said, do gaan in die kruis. So that we can just carry on in our sins. Paul is actually addressing this in his letters and saying that, listen, stop this stuff. That grace gives you the ability to overcome that sin. That grace is not a cover up so that you can carry on in the sin. It's a, it's a strength, the ability to operate above human ability. That is what grace is. Grace gives us power to overcome sin. And I'm not speaking about being perfect and living holy lives. It's an attitude towards that sin in your life. That is what grace enables us to do. But what the devil wants is he wants us to, 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 to believe that grace is just a cover-up for sin and we stay weak in the spirit and we can't operate because there's guilt and shame and all these things that go with, with that sin in your life. And then we, we, the war against evil sees because you cannot turn the cheek when that sin is in your life and you just apply grace superficially and say, ach, you weet, ek is fine, ek gaan helemaal toe. Grace is the ability to do more than what we can do on our own. That is what grace is. Firstly, grace starts with, with being saved. I mean, we need to work out our salvation in the grace of God. We need God's power. You cannot save yourself. <laughs> Jesus did that on the cross. It's a gift from God to be saved. We need to apply grace to our lives to work out our salvation. That's where it starts. And then it carries on into our lives where we operate in God's kingdom and where we overcome sin. And I just want to read this scripture. Um, can I party? So, what sinners will be bought? Okay. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This Paulus with this upright. These people are saved people. It's, it's Paul speaking here. He's not... Um, speaking about um, he's being saved a long time ago but he's speaking now to, to the other people he said that and he said to me 
My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Grace, strength. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That grace that is sufficient for him enables him to have strength in Christ. Amen. Grace is the, is, is the power of God so that we can overcome sin. It's not a cover-up. What is repentance? <laughs> this is the next thing I want to speak about. You know, what does it mean to repent? Does it mean to say sorry? You know, I always had this idea as a kid, you know, you, you must just, um, before you die or before Jesus comes, you must just, you know, you must if there's something that's unforgiven in your life, then you're not going to heaven. You know, that was kind of the attitude that I had regards of regarding saying sorry to God. But I don't believe that we, when we are saved and we sin and, and these things come in our lives and stuff, we don't fall in, in and out of salvation every time that we sin. You know, it's not a place of um, every time that you sin, you have to take now again a month before you are saved now again. We must get that out of our minds. Repentance is changing our mindsets regarding sin. Changing it from trying, just trying not to sin, actually liking this stuff and trying not to sin to a place where we, we, we don't like this track. We want it out. This track in us live. That, that, is, that is repentance. Repentance, the word for repentance in, in the Greek is metanoia. It means a change of your mind. And, it, and, and more than that, it means a change of your heart. That is what repentance is, to change our minds. Changing our minds, I want to I just focus on our part in repentance and focus on changing of our minds. I just want to read from Romans 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's us. We need to, that's our part of repentance, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is our habits that we put in place that we can renew our minds regarding sins? What are the disciplines that we are actually doing? We're not under a law, but there is some, sometimes good habits, habits that we can learn on for ourselves. This is our part in repentance. We need to renew our minds. And, and let's look at the part that we trust in God for, and that's a change of heart. Mark 7, verse 20, from verse 20. And he said... What comes out of a man, that defiles a man. For from with, within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adul adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things from a man's heart. That's just a track what he just said. All these evil things comes from within and defiles a man. And I'll hear what God says in Ezekiel, what the word says in Ezekiel 36 verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. Okay, now you can follow with me on the board. And I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. This is something we must prayerfully ask God. God, I don't want this stuff in my life. I need a new heart. We need to ask this prayerfully from God and trust God that he will give us a new heart. So when it comes to repentance, it's a change of mind and a change of attitude towards our sin. 
It's a change from a place where we say, listen, I actually like this stuff, to a place of saying, I don't want this in my life. And if it happens, you can just go back to the cross. It's not a place of struggling yourself back into salvation every time you sin. That also makes us, us powerless. But what is your attitude towards your sin? Are you fine with that, 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 that thing in your life? Is it iets wat jy my net so sê, ach, you know, I, I, I just have to live with this and God just has to um, live with this, you know. I'm not going to change when it comes to whatever. You fill in the blank. What's your attitude towards sin? That is repentance. It's not the place of saying sorry every time you sin and having a perfect life and not stepping, not making a mistake ever. We are allowed to make mistakes with people. What is your attitude towards it? I want to go back to, to William and Sarah. Can you learn that once in story was from William and Sarah? Okay. These two were having a stare down on the playground. Um, and William was, was like, he, t- he took Sarah's sandwich now, and now they, he ate it now in front of her. And she had this opportunity now to react to what has been done to her. So the first thing I want to ask is, what if, what if Sarah was really hungry and she, and, and she simply just, you know, she wanted, she said that, listen, this is just unfair. I just want my sandwich back. You know, me, I want it. What if she was, there was pride and she just wanted to have revenge and even take more from him that, than, 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 um, than he took from her? What if there was sin in, in, in Sarah's life and she, she felt unworthy to actually um, be able to turn the cheek in this situation? Be able to show Christ to William in this situation? Let's look how she responded. Okay, so they on the playground now having the stare down. Sarah saw more than just a bully of grade three. She saw a boy that was forced to work with his dad in a garage, being shouted at and hit over the head every time he made a little mistake. The grin was now off his face. Never has someone given him this look that Sarah is giving him now. By the time he just finished half the sandwich, struggling to swallow the last piece of the bread, Sarah politely and truly humbly offered him the other half also. William did not know what to do. For the first time ever did William get a sincere and a sense of a happy response to his rudeness. Sarah knew that she was not dealing with a bully of grade three, but with a little boy who was always shouted at and criticized and simply needed a friend. She didn't, she didn't fight back or add to the criticism or focus on what she lost, but realized what there was so, so, that there was so, so much to gain out of her reaction. William never took anything from anyone again. How cool is that? <laughs> that simple reaction. That turning the cheek that God enables us to do changed William's life forever. That is the power of working and, and operating in God's kingdom. That is the power that God gives us to react differently 
to what the world would react. Eyes are open for Jesus Christ. People see Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that, that operates through us in turning the cheek. To turn the cheek is not to be slapped around in life. That is not, I don't believe that's what Jesus was saying. That we must just be the nice guy that comes second. Turning the cheek is, is, is making war and declaring victory over evil. And eyes are open and lives are changed. What do we as Christians know? Sarah knew something about William that no one else even bothered to, to worry about. She knew something. What do we as Christians know? Our fight is bigger than flesh and blood. It's not for justice and being fair in this world. That's not what, what we are living for. We're living for something much, much deeper than that. And then I, I just want to ask each and every one of us, where are we today regarding the things we spoke about today? Regarding religi religiously trying to, to please God, religiously trying to be a part of a church and just fit into a Christian community. And What are those things in your life that you are fine with, that you are justifying and saying that this is my mind and I'm just going to live with that thing? We need to know that those things are stealing the, the power, the spiritual power that we have in Christ. Accepting that sin. Not, I'm not saying being sinless. Accepting that sin in your life. That is what steals the power. Lord, I thank you, God, for, for your word. Lord, I thank you for your truth, Lord. Lord, I thank you that the truth of Jesus is heart. Lord, that you don't just give us a lot of rules and just leave us to figure it out for ourselves, Lord. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is alive, Lord. Lord, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is alive in your word, Jesus. And God, I pray for a healthy conviction today, Lord. I pray for a healthy conviction that will, will turn into action, God. Thank you, God, that you minister to us, Lord, and you, you point out things in our lives at this moment, Lord, that we need to lay down before you, Lord. There's things in our lives that we know, Lord, that we know, that we know, Lord to lay down and God it's, it's we want to declare today Lord that it's not difficult Lord it's not a it's not a worldly sorrow that we have today Lord it's a godly sorrow Lord we want to focus on you when we lay these things down and say God the joy of, of the Lord is my strength the joy of living for you the joy of being able to turn that cheek the joy of being able to give away my cloak and walking that extra mile 
the joy of operating in your kingdom, Lord, and, and just being in a relationship with you. God, so many of us is that, that brother that stayed home with the father that was not the prodigal son. That's just working in your house the whole time, working, working, working. When the prodigal son came back and you had a feast with him, the other son didn't understand it. He just wanted the sheep for him and his friends. But God, you don't, you, you don't want him and his friends to have the sheep. You want to have it with them, Lord. God, I pray that we'll, we'll not simply be in a place where we're following rules, God, but that we will want to be in a relationship with you, Lord. God, I pray for, for hearts that are, that, are, that are hard, Lord. Clip harder. God, I pray that you'll replace our hearts with the heart of flesh, Lord that's responsive to your spirit, that can be in a relationship with you. Here it is, in our verhouding met u, Heer Jesus, wat ons, wat ons kracht krij, wat ons vrege krij om aan te gaan. God, I pray that your presence and your life will excite us, Lord. This is the thing that I've just been living so long, such a long time with. And you're just seeing how it's holding you back. I just want to use this time just to, just where you are, just lay it in front of God and just, just, just repent of that sin. Change, change your heart regarding it. Change your mind regarding it and ask God to change your heart regarding that thing in your life. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.